Shalom, lekum, peace be upon you. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Today, we are actually going to be doing the Torah portion for this week. Now, we, this year, uh, we haven't been following the Torah portion schedule like we have many years past. Uh, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to go through the book of Exodus uh, one more time. Or should I just say another time? Shemot. Uh, it's one of my favorites. And so for the next few weeks, we will follow the Torah portion schedule as we go through uh, this book of the Torah. Let me give you the portion summary from TorahPortions.org. Here's what it says. Shemot is both the title for the second book from the scroll of the Torah and the title of the first Torah portion therein. Shemot means names. The English-speaking world calls this book Exodus. The Hebrew title for the book comes from the opening phrase of the book. Now these are the names, Shemot, of the sons of Yisrael who came to Egypt with Jacob. The English name Exodus comes from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. The Greek title for this book is Exodus Egypto, which translates as Departure from Egypt. The name Exodus is an abbreviated form of that title, which means departure. The book of Exodus tells the story of the children of Yisrael enslaved in Egypt, the miraculous redemption through the hand of Moses, the story of the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, the construction of the golden calf, and the construction of the tabernacle. As we study the first week's reading from the book of Exodus, we find the children of Yisrael in slavery. It seems at first that God, the God of their forefathers, has forgotten them. But God has not forgotten his promises. He remembers his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and brings a redeemer to the children's children for the sake of his name with love. So that is what is on the agenda today. It's Exodus chapter 1 through chapter 6 verse 1. And so it's a pretty pretty heavy chapter, or a pretty heavy portion, I should say. Uh, what we're going to be seeing is obviously an introduction. Uh, Israelites are being oppressed. You have the birth of Moses. Moses flees to Midian. Moses at the burning bush. The divine name revealed. Moses' miraculous power. Moses returns to Egypt, which leads to bricks without straw. And it ends in verse 1 of chapter 6 with the promise, Israel's deliverance is assured. Open up your hearts. Let's see what the Word of God has to say to us this morning. Shemot, Exodus, very important story. Foreshadows so many things. The giving of the Torah. Just, it's, it's such an important book. And I believe what has been will be again in some form, right? And we're all looking for the great, the next great exodus where God's people are set apart and rescued. Let's see what the Word of God has to say. Shemot, I'm going to read from the Hallelujah Scriptures, but I'll kind of give some English translations of some of the Hebrew words along the way. Let's begin. And these are the names of the children of Yisrael who 
came to Mitzrayim, that is to say Egypt, with Yaakov, each one with his household. Reuben, Shimeon, Levi, and Yehuda, Yiskar, Zubalan, and Binyamin, Dan, and Aphtali, Gad, and Asher, and all those who were descendants of Yaakov, that is to say Jacob, were seventy beings, as Yosef was already in Mitzrayim. And Yosef died, and all his brothers, and all that generation, and the children of Yisrael bore fruit and increased very much, multiplied and became very strong, and the land was filled with them. Then a new sovereign arose over Mitzrayim, who did not know Yosef. And he said to his people, See, the people of the children of Yisrael are more and stronger than we. Come, let us act wisely towards them, lest they increase, and it shall be when fighting befalls us that they shall join our enemies and fight against us and shall go up out of the land. So they appointed slave masters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pitham and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they increased and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Yisrael. Please note, this is a kind of a obvious truth, but maybe not. Whenever God's people are afflicted, are persecuted, they don't actually shrink in number. And here's what the enemy hasn't seemed to have figured out. They increase. It says here that the more that the Egyptians afflicted the, the Israelites, the more they multiplied. Here is just a fact of history about the church. Anytime it's been persecuted and wildly attacked, wherever that's happening, Christianity as an example, grows. It's like the more heat, the more the fire spreads. And in fact, that's how the good news, the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom of God, how it got spread all over the world was because it was being persecuted, which caused it to keep spreading. The more you would try to oppress God's people, the more you try to oppress God's truths, the more they will spread. And so that's what we see here with the Israelites. Verse 14, And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. Their work which they made them to do was with harshness. Please note, I'm going to try not to interrupt a whole lot. They're like, if we can't get rid of them, we're going to distract them and we're just going to make it very difficult for them to, to, to survive and they're going to, you know, this same mindset in a different form but similar goal is what's happened to humanity all over the world at this point. But here in the West... You know, it's it's a forty-hour work week, and you, you know you can't get your you can't get benefits unless you're clocking forty hours, and you go to public school where you learn to be a good little servant, and to get a job, and to work and take orders, 
And in a similar fashion, God's people now are under an oppression that they can't see and recognize. They're forced. (laughs) The average person is just adding bricks to the machine that rules over them and oppresses them and then takes half their income. It's not the same as what we're reading here, but the intent of how things are structured is the same. It's about keeping you small as possible. It's about keeping you, uh, you know, distracted. Just go clock your nine to five, your eight to five, or your 12 hour shifts and just now you're tired so go home and sit on the couch and watch some propaganda and get up and do it again tomorrow and this keeps you from having any real influence or control over the big beast machine that rules over humanity I'm having trouble articulating that I I realize that but I hope that you understand where where I'm coming from with the mindset. See, the Egyptians, they tried to make the, the people's lives bitter. And the way they did it was through hard work, bondage. You guys are going to build Egypt. We're going to do it on your backs. And, yeah, so that's what's happening. Verse 15. Then the sovereign of Mitzrayim, that is to say Egypt, spoke to the Ivri midwives. That means Hebrew midwives. Of who the names was one... Sifra and the name of another Pua. And he said, When you deliver the Ivri women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then he shall live. But the midwives revered Elohim and not do as the sovereign of Mitzrayim commanded them and kept the male children alive. Please note, I'm sorry. This is just jumping out to me, these connections with modern culture. Today, same thing. It's about all the propaganda that you see and the way things are structured and the way language is structured and what's being pushed through the education system is about completely demasculating and oppressing men. Why? Because men can historically can rise up Notice he doesn't want to. Notice that Pharaoh doesn't want to eliminate the the females. All male children are to be executed. Let's continue on. Some of you aren't understanding the connection I'm making, but some of you are nodding your head. You know exactly what I mean. So the sovereign of Mitzrayim called for the midwives and said to them, "Why have you done this and kept the ch- male children alive?" And the midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the evil women are not like the Mitzrite women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. So Elohim was good to the midwives, and the people increased and became very numerous. And it came to be because the midwives revered Elohim that he provided households for them. And Pharaoh commanded that all his people saying, Throw every son who is born into the river and keep alive every daughter. Verse chapter 2. And a man of the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi, 
and the woman conceived and bore a son, and she saw that he was lovely, a lovely child. She hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took an ark of papyrus for him, and coated it with tar and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the edge of the river. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. The daughters of Pharaoh came and washed. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her young women were walking by the river's side. When she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her female servants to get it, and opened it and saw the child, and see the child wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the children of the Evrim. Does it say the Hebrews? And his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Ivory women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me. Then I shall pay your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Please note, Look at God's favor. Obviously, God has an ordained purpose for Moses. But there's there's this also hint of the mother of Moses trusting God, putting her faith in God so much that she put her child in a basket and sent him down the river, trusting that the Lord would take care of things. And the little sister goes to watch what happens. And the child is found by the daughter of Pharaoh, who decides she wants to adopt the child. And the situation that arrives out of all of this is that mom gets her child back and is now being paid by Pharaoh's daughter to take care of her own child. Could it be more perfect? And obviously this is part of God's plan. Moses has to grow up in Egypt to have an understanding of Egypt. And here's what happens, verse 10. The child grew, and she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son, and she called his name Moshe, saying, Because I have drawn him out of the water. Which that's what the word Moshe means. Verse 11. And in those days it came to be, when Moshe was grown, that he went out to his brother's and looked at their burdens, and he saw a Mitzrite beating an Ivrim, in other words, a Hebrew, one of his brothers. So he turned his way that way, and when he saw no one, he smote the Mitzrite and hid him in the sand. And he went out the second day and saw two Ivrim fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why do you smite your neighbor? And he said, Who made you the head and judge over us? Do you intend to slay me as you slew the Mitzrite? Moshe feared and said, Truly, the matter is known. And Pharaoh heard of this matter, and he sought to kill Moshe. But Moshe fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. And the Kohen of Midian, that is the priest of Midian, had seven daughters. And they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. But the shepherds came and drove them away, and then Moshe stood up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. And they came to Ruel, their father, and said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And he said, A mistride rescued us from the hand of the shepherds, 
and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. Please note, Moshe has a character of not being able to just stand by while people are being oppressed. Right? He sees his, he sees his Hebrew brother being beaten by an Egyptian. Fights back, slays the Egyptian. Here, he's just minding his own business, but he just can't get past. He just can't let it go that these women who are just trying to water their flock are suddenly being scattered away by these men who come up and just kind of take over. So he stands up for them, and he helps them get their flock watered. This is part of Moses' character. He can't stand injustice. Verse 20. And he said to the daughters, Where is he? Why did you leave the man? Call him and let him come eat bread. And Moshe, Moshe agreed and to dwell with the man, and he gave Tisphorah, his daughter, to Moshe. And she bore him a son and called his name Gerashom. For he said, I have become a sojourner in a foreign land. And it came to be after these many days that the sovereign of Mitzrim died, and the children of Yisrael groaned because of the slavery. And they cried out, and their cry came up to Elohim because of the slavery. And Elohim heard their groaning. And Elohim remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Yitzhak, and with Yaakov. And Elohim looked on the children of Yisrael, and Elohim knew. And Moshe was shepherding the flock of Yithro, his father-in-law, the Kohen of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of Elohim. And the messenger of Jehovah appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and he saw the bush burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moshe said, Let me turn aside now and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And Jehovah saw that he turned aside to see, and Elohim called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moshe, Moshe. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is Kodesh ground, that is to say, holy ground. And he said, I am the Elohim of your father, the Elohim of Avraham. Elohim of Yitzhak, that is to say Isaac, and the Elohim of Yaakov, that is to say Jacob. Moshe hid his face, for he was afraid to look at Elohim. And Jehovah said, I have indeed seen the oppression of my people who are Mitzrayim, and have heard their cry because of the slave drivers, for I know their sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them from the hand of the Mitzrites, and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezzarites and the Hivites and the Yebusites. And now see, the cry of the children of Yisrael has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Mistrites oppressed them. And now come, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the children of Yisrael, out of Mitzrayim. And Moshe said to Elohim, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children out of Yisrael, out of Mitzrayim? And he said, Because I am with you. 
By the way, I want you to remember that phrase for just a second. Moses is saying, how can I do this? I mean, who am I of all people? And God's like, it's not just about you. I will be with you. That's the important thing. I will be with you. That's what's going to empower you to do this. Verse 12, and he said, because I am with you. And this is to you, the sign that I have sent to you. When you have brought the people out of Mitzrayim, you are to serve Elohim on this mountain. And Moshe said to Elohim, See, I am come to the children of Israel and say to them, The Elohim of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And Elohim said to Moshe, I am that which I am. And he said, Thus, you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Now, please note, let's talk about that for just a second. A lot of translations will say, I, or some will say, I will be what I will be. This is why that's important. Because we might say, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, obviously there's, there's, a, there's a point here of where God is saying, I'm unknowable. I'm the beginning and the end, right? Uh, you're not going to be able to put me in a box to explain what and and what I am to the children of Israel, just say that I, I mean, you know, I am what I am, or I will be what I will be. But I think it's even more deeper than this. So that word, Hayah, right? Hayah, Asher, Hayah. I am that I am, or I will be what I will be. That's not the first time in this conversation that God has used that word, Hayah, I will be. He just used it. When Moses said, Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh. And that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then in verse 12, God said, He, he said, Certainly, Hayah, I will be with thee. Same word that he says here, Tell the children of Israel, Hayah, I will be what I will be. In other words, God is is also saying, I, the God of your forefathers, will be with you through this thing, through this hardship, through this trial. Moses, this is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. You're right. You don't have what it takes to do this, but you'll be able to do it because the God the one true God, the creator of all things, will be with you. Tell the children of Israel that I will be with them through this thing. Tell them that I will be what I will be. Let's continue on. Verse 15, or verse 14. And Elohim said to Moshe, I am that which I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Yisrael, I am, I will be, has sent me to you. Verse 15, And Elohim said further to Moshe, Thus you are to say to the children of Yisrael, Yehovah, so now he gives his actual name, Yehovah, Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Avraham, the Elohim of Yitzhak, and the Elohim of Yaakov has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my remembrance to all generations. 
You see, at, at, he's giving his actual name. That I am or I that I will be what I will be, I think, is just a little more deeper than we might realize on the surface. Verse 16, go, and you shall gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, Yehovah Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, of Yitzhak, and of Yaakov appeared to me, saying, And I have indeed visited you and seen what is done to you in Mitzrayim. And I say, I am bringing you out of the affliction of Mitzrayim to the land of Canaan, to the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezrites and the Hivites and the Yebusites and the land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall listen to your voice. And you shall come, you and the elders of Yisrael, to the sovereign of Mitzrayim. And you shall say to him, Yehovah Elohim of the Ivrim, the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please, let us go three days' journey into the wilderness to slaughter to Yehovah our Elohim. But I know that the sovereign of Mitzrayim is not going to let you go, not even by a strong hand. And I shall stretch out my hand and smite Mitzrayim with all my wonders, which I shall do in its midst. And after that he shall let you go. And I shall give this people favor in the eyes of the Mitzrayites, and it shall be that when you go, you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask from her neighbor and from the stranger in her house objects of silver and objects of gold and garments, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, and shall plunder the Mitzrayites. Chapter 4 And Moshe answered and said, And if they do not believe me or listen to my voice, and say, Jehovah has not appeared to you. And Jehovah said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moshe fled from it. And Jehovah said to Moshe, Reach out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he reached out his hand and seized it. And it became a rod in his hand. So that they believe that Jehovah Elohim of their fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Yitzhak, and the Elohim of Yahukov has appeared to you. And Jehovah said to him again, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, and see, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom, and see, it was restored like his other flesh. And it shall be, if they do not believe you, nor listen to the voice of the first sign, they shall believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even those two signs or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on dry land, and the water which you took from the river shall become blood on dry land. And Moshe said to Jehovah, O oh, Jehovah, I am not a man of words, neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So please note, <laughs> Moses is like, they're not going to believe this. Like, they're not going to believe that I talked to you through a burning bush and that you sent me of all people to lead them out of Egypt. So God gives him some unique abilities. Right? Yeah, you throw your throw your rod down, it becomes a serpent. You can pick it right back up, it becomes a rod. That's pretty impressive, right? But if that doesn't work, you put your hand, you know, under your coat, pull it out. It's going to be leprous. Put it back in, pull it out. It won't be leprous anymore. If they don't believe that, go grab some water, pour it on the sand. It's going to become blood. Those are some pretty interesting signs. 
and uh, pretty convincing, but Moses is still like, look, I have a speech impediment. I can't talk. You've got the wrong guy. Verse 11. And Jehovah said to him, Who made man's mouth? Or who makes dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, Jehovah? See, it goes back to God saying, I'll be with you. Yes, by yourself you were inadequate. But when God is with you, there is absolutely nothing to fear. He's the creator of all things. He's telling Moses, you can't talk well? Who made the mouth? You don't think that I can help you overcome that? Verse 12, and now go and I shall be your mouth and teach you what to say. But he said, O Jehovah, please send by the hand of him whom you would send. And the displeasure of Jehovah burned against Moshe, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he speaks well, and see, he is also coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he shall be glad in his heart. You see the compassion of God. Did he have to use Aaron? Of course not. He could have, just like he gave Moses the ability to turn water to blood, to throw a rod down and becomes a serpent, could he not have just given him perfect speech? He's even a little bit angry with Moses that Moses keeps putting up these excuses. But how? Do, but because God, people talk about how the Old Testament God is so angry and mean. Look at his compassion towards Moses. Look, to help you be more comfortable with this situation, I'm going to bring your brother into it, and he will speak. And you shall speak to him, verse 15, and put the words in his mouth, and I am with your mouth and with his mouth, and I shall teach you what to do. And he shall speak for you to the people, and it shall be that he shall be a mouth for you, and you shall be an Elohim for him. And take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. Then Moshe went and returned to Yether, his father-in-law, and said, by the way, in the other studies I talk about why there's all these different names. Um, so I recommend you go listen to last year's study uh, where I go into depth about that. Uh, but we're not focusing on that this time around. Please let me go and return to my brothers who are in midstream to see whether they are still alive. And Yitro said to Moshe, go in peace. And Jehovah said to Moshe in Midian, go return to midstream for all the men are dead who sought your life. Please note, I just misspoke. I actually talk about Yethro and all the different names uh, in the Torah portion that's titled that. So that's the one you want to go listen to. We'll cover it when we get to that part. There's a reason why he's referred to as different names throughout this study. Verse 20, So Moshe took his wife and his sons, and he put them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Mitzrayim. And Moshe took the rod of Elohim in his hand. And Jehovah said to Moshe, As you go back to Mitzrayim, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I am going to harden his heart so that he does not let the people go. And you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus said Jehovah, Yisrael is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, Let my son go to serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, see, I am killing your son, your firstborn. Please note, I know I'm interrupting a lot today. 
People make the mistake of thinking that God is being cruel to Pharaoh. It's like, well, you're asking him to let them go, but then you're hardening his heart, making it impossible for him to let them go. This is because God has already determined that Egypt and Pharaoh for their crimes against his people are going to be punished. That's already been determined. So now God's going to free his people, but Egypt is going to be punished for the slavery. And Pharaoh's going to be punished for his pride and for what he's done to God's people. That's been determined. This is why God is going to harden his heart. It's part of his judgment. It's not like God's like, let him go, but then I'm not going to let you let him go. There's a purpose here. It's not just God being mean for the sake of being mean and showing his power. Egypt is under judgment. And the hardening of Pharaoh's heart is part of that judgment. Uh, It's also bigger than that, as we'll see moving forward in further portions. Verse 24. I'm not going to interrupt much more. We're just going to finish this out. We got one more chapter, chapter 5 to read. And it came to be on the way, in the lodging place, that Jehovah met him and sought to kill him. And Sifra took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and threw it at Moshe's feet and said, You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him go. Then she said, You are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. And Jehovah said to Aaron, Go to meet Moshe in the wilderness. And he went and he met him at the mountain of Elohim and kissed him. And Moshe then told Aaron and all, all the words of Jehovah who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moshe went with Aaron and gathered together all the elders of the children of Yisrael. And Aaron spoke all the words which Jehovah had spoken to Moshe. Then he did the signs before the eyes of the people. And the people believed, and they heard that Jehovah had visited the children of Yisrael, and that he looked on their affliction. And they bowed their heads and did obstinance. Chapter 5 And afterwards, Moshe and Aaron went in and said to Pharaoh, Thus said Jehovah Elohim of Yisrael, Let my people go, so that they can celebrate a festival to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is Jehovah, that I should obey his voice to let Yisrael go? I do not know Jehovah, nor am I going to let Yisrael go. And they said, The Elohim of the Ivrim, that is to say the Hebrews, has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness and slaughter to Jehovah our Elohim, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the sovereign of Mitzrayim said to them, Moshe and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, See, the people of the land are many now, and you make them cease from the burdens. And the same day Pharaoh commanded the slave drivers of the people of the, and their foremen, saying, You were to no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and lay on them the required amount of bricks which they made before. Do not diminish it, for they are idle. That is why they cry out, saying, Let us go to slaughter to Elohim. Let more work be laid on the men, so that they labor in it, and not pay attention to the words of falsehood. 
And the slave drivers of the people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus said Pharaoh, I do not give you straw. Go, take straw for yourselves wherever you find it, for your work shall not be diminished. And the people were scattered all over the land of Mitzram to gather stubble for straw, and the slave drivers were hurrying on, saying, Complete your work, your daily amount, as when they were with straw. Also the foremen of the children of Yisrael, whom Pharaoh's slave drivers had appointed over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not completed your task in making bricks, both yesterday and today as before? And the foremen of the children of Yisrael came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why do you treat your servants this way? There is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us, Make bricks. And see, your servants are beaten, but your own people are at fault. But he said, you are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, let us go and slaughter to Jehovah. So now go work, and straw is not given to you. But deliver the amount of bricks. And the foreman of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after this, after this was said. You are not to diminish your daily amount of bricks. When they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moshe and Aaron and, and stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let Jehovah look on you and judge, because you have made us loathsome. In the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of the servants, to give us sword in their hand to kill us. Please note, this is just an important truth, I think, in life. We ask God for help. And then when the transformation and the change in our life begins to happen, it's a little bit painful, right? Because what we want is instant fix rather than the wheels being set in motion, right? Sometimes when the wheels are set in motion for the change that we're praying for, the beginnings of it are a little rough and not what we asked for. But it ends up leading to the rescue, to the restoration, to the answer, to the prayer. But rarely is it you pray to God and then boom, everything's great. No, there's a process. And when we're going through that process, what do we do? We shake our fist at God. We say, I prayed and this is what you did instead. That's kind of what's happening with Israel right now, right? It's going to be a little shaky at first. It's going to be a little hard at first, but this is part of the process to get to what they've been crying out for all these years. They've been crying out to God about the oppression. We do the same thing in our own personal lives. And we're probably doing our, the same thing when we pray for our country. Uh, for those of us who live in the United States, right? We're praying, please put an end to this wickedness, this evil. Well, that's going to not be easy. And it's not going to be pain-free. This is just the way of the world. And such as it is here in this story. We have three verses left. And Moshe returned to Jehovah and said, Jehovah, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you send me? For ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Last verse. And Jehovah said to Moshe, Now, see what I do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he is going to let them go. And with a strong hand he is going to drive them out 
of his land. That, my friends, is the end of our Parsha study for this week. I've done this, what, four times now? Five times? I don't know. Something like that. Somewhere between three and five. But each time I do it, there's a new focus that I feel like the Spirit pours out on me. A new area to pay close attention to. So I hope that you've been blessed this morning. And I hope that I've done a well enough job of articulating those connections and some of the commentary uh, that it spoke to you and pierced your hearts and encouraged and strengthened you. That's all I have for you this morning. Just a quick reminder. Your support and your prayers is how we've been able to do this for 10 years. So please, consider praying for me and my family. Consider praying for the broadcast. And if you have the means and you're willing and able, please consider supporting it by going to scriptureandprophecy.com. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.